and welcome back to another episode of Henry Western's Old Mate, the podcast. I am, of course, Stuart, uh, and today I am talking turf, and I'm talking turf with a gentleman. His name is Mark Jones. I'm going to come over to Mark and get him to introduce himself very shortly, and this is going to be a wonderful episode that I'm looking forward to. But before we do that, let's get the boring stuff out of the way. If you could just like, rate, review, share us about, you know, if you're listening to us on Apple or Spotify, follow us subscribe, leave us a written review and just share us about, you know, everyone's on Instagram, you know, Twitter or X, share us about. Um, that's all I ask, really. Um, Mark Jones, um, former greenkeeper. Uh, that's probably what the basis of this podcast is going to be about. Um, I'm just going to ask you, firstly, how are you doing? Secondly, I'm going to thank you for um, coming on and, and helping me out. But um, Mark, how are you, mate? I'm good, Stuart. Um Missing greenkeeping in some ways, but not missing greenkeeping in other ways. It's, uh, you know, it's been a strange 18 months, really. Uh, life's changed completely. Um, never intended this to happen. Never intended to be out of greenkeeping. Um, always intended to retire or slowly wind down, if you know how I mean, and then hand the reins over to someone maybe in my team, you know, so... But uh, that wasn't to be, and uh, yeah, after 35 years as a head greenkeeper course manager, um, I left the industry. Well, let us let me set the t- scene from what I know. So the listeners, you have, I contacted you because being a bit of a avid social media kind of a guy in the evenings when I should probably be looking at nutrition programs for my grades or worrying about training programs for my staff, I'd probably spend a bit too much time on social media. And if I'm honest, I picked up on your social media profile. I followed you. And it was quite obvious from your Twitter, which is now called X, um, that you have gone through a pretty rough period of your greenkeeping career, based largely at your previous employer, Morecambe Golf Club, uh, who you no longer work for. And you have been in dispute with said golf club. Um, I did what all good podcasters and probably some pod bad podcast hosts do drop to you a message asking if you'd like to come on and share your story with us i do this to quite a lot of people on twitter i hear back from roughly 50 percent of them you very kindly and very quickly responded saying that you would love to me and you have chatted via text and off offline so to speak so mark you are here now to explain to us why you are no longer a head greenkeeper having committed over 30 years of your life to the industry. Um, and I, for one, uh, knowing the story a bit more than maybe some people do just from chatting to you, uh, I have great sympathy for your position. But I, I myself don't know the full story. Uh, and in this episode and potentially some more going forward, we're going to try and get to the bottom, Mark, of, of that. So I guess what I'll do is I'll start the ball Rolling, Mark, by saying, please indulge me and the listeners as to why you are no longer actively working as a greenkeeper. Um, obviously, I, I've, I've moved around a bit over the years, um, different parts of the country, Herefordshire, the southeast, uh, Cambridgeshire, and then in 2000, yeah, 25 years ago, moved back up north up to Preston and, uh, spent 15 years uh, working at the Manchester Golf Club, um, which I I live in Preston, so I was having to travel every day. And um, I've done 15 years, uh, quite a 
a political golf course, if you know what I mean. Um, I tried to keep out of the politics and I had the help of some fantastic Greens chairman and, and Greens committee members. Um, and they did things the right way there. They, they brought uh, people onto the Greens committee and after a period of time, they would they would take a bit more of an active role in the Greens Committee. And eventually, in the 15-year time, we, we, we'd hand the, the baton of Greens chairman over to, to one of the members of the Greens Committee. So we always had continuity. So I sort of kept out of the politics of it. But um, I had an accident going to work one morning. And um, probably, if I hadn't have been in a Volvo, I might, it might, I might not be here now. Um, but I just said to my wife, I said, I, I can't do that journey anymore. The M60 and the M61 is early in the morning and constant roadworks. So I started actively looking because I was 58, um, but still a, a young 58 with, I felt, loads to give. And um, I saw the job advertised at, at Morecambe. And I knew a couple of people in the industry um who were connected with the club. And I also knew the, the at that time, the current course manager, a guy called Colin Parrish. He's, he's a master greenkeeper. And, you know, I'd, I'd met him many, many times. So I rang Colin up and I said, oh, what's happening? Why are you leaving? And he, he was he was getting out of the industry for his, for his own reasons. Um, and I said, oh, what's the club like? And he said, oh, he said, it's in a really good position. They've got a, They've recently, quite recently, got a new general manager who's a professional guy. Um, and the Greens chairman there is really supportive and he's a, he's a great bloke. So so I, I decided to to apply. And no offence to Morecambe Golf Club, but quality of golf course-wise, it was maybe a little bit of a backward step. Manchester's probably one of the top 100 inland golf courses in the UK, you know, so... But I'd done 15 years there, and I needed I, I needed to move. So I put my my hat into the um, into the ring and uh, had an interview. And, I, and as as you know, Stuart, when you've when you've got some experience and you're you've been around around the block a few times and you've you've worked on a few courses, it's not just about um, them interviewing you. It's also about you interviewing them and 100%. whether. Yeah, whether you're going to be, they're going to allow you to do your job to the best of your ability. And the things that you can see on the course that need altering or improving or developing, that they're going to allow you and the funds are going to be there or the staff's going to be there. And they're going to let you do your job because because what's the point is in, in going somewhere where within 18 months, you're just banging your head against the brick wall. You're incredibly frustrated. You know, and I'm not one of those people who's just going to stand still and just mow the grass and just prepare and tidy the golf course up. I want to develop a course. I want to improve a course. I want them, I want to make the most out of it. Morecambe, Morecambe Golf Course is in a nice position. It's right on Morecambe Bay. It's it's like a seaside parkland. And it had, you know, fantastic. Well, it, on, on the club's website, it said amazing views of Morecambe, of Morecambe Bay and the Lake District. So when I when I rocked up to to have a walk of the course, you actually couldn't see Morecambe Bay because in the early eighties they'd gone down the road of Forestry Commission grants and they'd planted sycamores, willows, <laughs> white poplars, oh, alders, 
you know, everything that would grow quick, everything with big leaves, everything that would just completely destroy the nature of the golf course. Yeah. So during the interview um, with the Greens chairman, the guy called Alan, I have to say, fantastic, fantastic human being, great bloke. I said to him, look, I said, you know, I'm not, not being funny, but you know some of the trees have got to be removed, and I know it's a difficult process, and you've got to get the members on side, but it was never designed like this. The trees are actually changing the nature of the golf course because of leaf litter and shade, and, you know, you've got an issue with worm casts anyway, you know, so. Yeah. So we, I said, don't offer me the job unless you're prepared to do the hard work, to, to do the difficult jobs, the drainage, the bunkers, the tea construction, and the removal of the trees, you know, to try and not removal of all the trees, but removal of the trees that are creating all the problems. And after, a, you know, an hour and a half of an interview, we got on really well and uh, it went well. And I thought, oh, yeah, well, if they, give me, if they offer me the job, they're offering it under those terms and those conditions. And let's I'll just 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 um, if I can just interrupt there, yeah. um, that is and that's not for your ego, Mark, is it? That is everything that you've just discussed there is ultimately a forward step for the golf club, because whether we whether people want to complain about chopping trees down or not, what we are seeing in the last maybe 10 to 15 years is the majority of these golf courses that went through certain phases in the 80s, 90s, early 2000s, they are all pretty much returning to what they were designed to be. So what yes. you are saying, and I, I mean, I didn't take it as such, and I don't suppose the listeners will, but everything you just highlighted is purely from a professional point of view, isn't it? It's not, look at me, I'm Mark, and I'm going to do this. This is this is what you guys need to do for the long-term benefit of your golf course, your your turf health, and, and just just it's just good practice. Yes, it, it it is, and the thing is that it's fine. Get a get a get a forestry commission grant, but included in that grant are the funds to manage those trees, to pick out the good examples, to pick out the bad examples, and to thin them out, and to and to develop, you know, and add a, a mixed woodland of of yeah. proper trees and of the correct species in the correct place. But unfortunately. As you know, and you know, and all people in the turf industry know, it doesn't work that way. They plant crap in the wrong places. They want fast results, so they they go for fast growing. You know, sycamores. You know, sappy, big leaves. You know, they plant just, themselves anyway. Who who plants white poplar on the side of a fairway? So when it loses its leaves and all the white leaves are face up on, and you can't find your golf ball, it's yeah. like you know, so. And I, and I had history with this because when I went to Manchester Golf Club, Hopwood, Hopwood, uh, Hopwood Hall, as it was called, they, they'd had a bunker replacement program in the early 60s. They didn't have the money to manage the bunkers that they had. So they filled in the bunkers. They just had hollows or depressions at the side of the holes. And, and misguidedly, they said, oh, we can't have no hazard there, so we'll just plant a load of trees. So... I'd done 15 years of of removing trees and trying to bring a golf course back to how it was originally designed at Manchester with great success. And we won a, an environment award um, 
in 2011. And it was purely because of the tree removal we'd done and the management of the roughs as a consequence of that tree removal. So when I was when I went to Morecambe, I was I was offering that and I said, look, you know, we can do this. We'll talk to the members. We'll explain to them, you know, and I, I, I accepted the job. And um, the first three years, I worked with Alan, the Greens chairman, Stuart, the professional general manager. The Greens committee were all on side. Everybody. It was absolutely brilliant, Stuart. We we moved forward. We sorted some massive drainage issues out. We got rid of a lot of a lot of trees that were causing drainage issues, shade issues, uh, leaf litter issues. We opened up views so that when you played the golf course, you could actually see Morecambe Bay and the Lake District. Yeah. And and it, and it was we were we were successful. Uh, the members were over the moon. Um, I also uh, started an annual um, presentation evening where I would give them about 60 to 70 slides of the course and the work we'd done and explain why we were doing it, what our aims were, and that we would, um, our plans for the future and how we were going to move forward. And how was and how was that received, Mark? Because I would imagine that that is, well, I, I would imagine it was very positively received. And just set the tone a little bit deeper for me of those that sort of three year period because yeah. everyone's on board. You know, you've outlined at your interview stage what you want, and you've been very open and honest and said, "Please, you know, don't offer me the job if you're not prepared to so, sort of back me and go with my plans." And that they've offered you the job, you've accepted, you've gone through this, you know. Busy and probably reasonably disruptive period, you know, with drainage work, etc. But yeah. anyone with a half a brain understands that when you when you when you're doing these things realistically, it is for the long term benefit. Um, yeah. So the tone, how how is your relationship with the golf club members and the the, the people you work for, your line managers? How is the relationship strong? Very good. Very good. Uh, as I said, the general manager, he was he had plans to improve and develop the clubhouse facilities um, because of the views the clubhouse had over the bay. It was it was obviously a venue where people wanted to have parties or wanted to get married. So he was trying to he was he was taking care of that side, obviously, with the, the support of the, the, the committees and the board. And that was developing. Um they were in, there was increased takings in the clubhouse and we had increased visitor income and we, we were starting to raise the profile. People were really noticing what we were doing. We'd also, I'd also instigated, which I'd brought from Manchester, um, a more biological approach to managing the greens. And um, I was using compost teas. And I was trying to use as few chemicals and fungicides as possible, which I've always been a strong believer in. And I've always I've always had good results. And we we'd started to flip the greens um, in 2018. As you may remember, it was a very, very dry year. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I got a phone call. Um, you better come to work. There's an issue. What's what's the matter? So shot into work. And um, the irrigation tank had burst on the, it was the first weekend in May, 2018. 
and the, the liner had split and the water had just you know just poured yep. out and we we were it was coming out at such a rate that the pump couldn't keep up because it obviously torn so we tried to do, repair it but we couldn't and at the time you know what it's like in may anyone who's got any irrigation issues the irrigation companies they've, they've got so much work thrown at them in april and may uh, because everyone's last minute oh my god my irrigation yeah. systems you know, yeah. and, and and we joined that queue really and i and i it was seven weeks and we had no irrigation in 2018 and so you're going into we, you're, get, you're getting into july then before yeah yeah wow. i think it, i think it was the the 7th or 8th of july when we got the water back on and we'd lost all our annual meadow grass and they were probably 50% annual meadow grass, maybe 30-odd, 40% bent, um, brown top, and then there was bits of fescue in places, and then there was little little bits of Yorkshire fog and, and little bits of ryegrass as well. So yeah. um, the greens were in a bit of a state, but again, we communicated with the membership. The membership were fully aware, and I said to them, look, I said, the thing, what we're going to do is going to try and take a, take a positive out of a negative, and the minute we got the water back on, we started doing some renovation work and we absolutely hammered them with, with pure fescue and some and a little bit of bent grass. And by by August, we had 100% covering of grass again and it was a great, percent, high, very high percentage of fine grasses. Um, I think we'd started to provide the soil in the greens that fine grasses um would enjoy and thrive in with the biology that we were using. And really that seven weeks with no water gave us a, a great opportunity to really do quite a big flip uh, species wise. Yeah, and, you didn't um, have to get you didn't have to get the rescue out and spray them. Oh, there's a story about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um we 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 came out of 2018 with a high high proportion of fine grasses very firm surfaces really firm surfaces going through the autumn and winter and that continued into 2019 and we kept we developed those surfaces the, the green we stopped using temporary greens temporary greens were we we were only using them really during severe frosts yeah. but being on the northwest coast funnily enough because being so close to the sea we, we didn't really get periods like that so I think for two winters, we had no temporary greens and it was just main greens use only, which, of course, is a massive bonus to the membership. You know, um, you must because, have been you must have been the most popular man at the golf club. Well, it was it was all going in the right direction and it really was. And I think we, we were trying to provide a golf course for the majority of the members. Um, the greens are quite because it's a McKenzie designed golf course. And there's there's quite a few of the greens that are, are the original um Mackenzie contouring so there, there's a lot of slopes on the greens so yeah. you can't really go low heights of cut high levels of ironing greens to go for ridiculously you know quick green speeds you have to be more careful because if a wind gets up which it often does on right on the coast you start ending up with balls that won't stay on the greens or balls that are actually moving you know so 10 and a half feet is more than enough so we weren't, we weren't really um, going with low heights of cut. We were going at about four. We'd, we'd go down to maybe 3.75 millimetres, 
for big events and tournaments and then we'd lift them back up to four 4.25 and then through the winter we were getting really nice putting surfaces at, at like five and a half six millimeters which of course benefits the fine grasses even more you know yeah so, um it was all working well and then um covid came along and um it was obviously a big strain for everybody in the industry and you know we've all we've all heard stories about what people had to do we went from five and a half staff to three staff um and um we'd had an issue with worm casts due to the soil conditions the leaves um shade the nature of the soil and also we had a lot of ryegrass in the fairways and um I made the decision, again, talking to the club, told them what way I planned to do and why I was going to do it. And I said, look, we've, we're going into lockdown. What was it 23rd of March or something, 2020? Yeah, yeah, it was and, very early. Um, yeah, yeah. We were faced with a golf course that, when it got going, it was a grass factory. You know, it was, I'm, I'm talking, you can cut rough. It could take you three and a half days to cut the rough. And then the minute you cut the rough, you go back to where you started yeah. because, you know, because by, fr by Friday afternoon, Saturday, Sunday morning, that it looks like the rough's never been cut, you know, because it's, it's that nature of the land. And I knew worm casts were always an issue um, because the, the sward and on the fairways and the approaches tended to become very open um, during the autumn and winter months. And part of this was was caused by the the worm casts, and then of course, following that in the spring, we'd end up with an explosion of weeds as well. Yeah. So, I was determined again from previous experience that I knew if I could get more fescue into the fairways, more fescue into the whole golf course, but through the exudates released by the the roots of fescue, I could start to convert the nature of the land to be more acidic. And this would be a natural defense in the future against worms, because of course we, we have no control over them really, do we, you know? No. Um, you know? So, so I explained this to the club. So you're talking in a, you're, I mean, I, I don't, I don't purchase any fescue, but I've come from a, a golf course where we used to purchase a lot of fescue. Uh, so you're not talking, you're not talking a cheap project, are you Mark? No. And we're not talking an overnight project either. Yeah. yeah. But as I said, I'd gone to Morecambe Golf Club in 2017. I had every intention of working my career to the rest at the end of my career. And, and if I could if I could get the fescue up in the fairways, I knew that I would reduce the impact of worm casts. Yeah. Um, we'd already we'd already had great results uh, on the greens, and we were starting to expand those into the approaches and work on the tees as well. And we were having great results with those. But I just, you know, I was trying to move everything forward, combined with removing trees and doing drainage yeah. work. You know, it's a holistic approach, isn't it? To yeah, moment. yeah, it has to be. Yeah. But um, what happened was at the beginning of March, when we had the lockdown in 2023, I decided to use a graminicide to, to kill the ryegrass in the fairways. I was, I was faced with three months of... Yeah um no golf three months of three members of staff trying to manage a golf course and i have to say that one of the greatest growth regulators that has ever been invented is a graminicide because if it doesn't it won't kill the bent or the fescue 
But what it does is it stops it growing for a <laughs> it gives, while. It gives it a little headache. Yeah. So um, I did that, again, with the full um, blessing of the, of the club and the committee. And when the membership came back in June and July, um, you know, we, we'd overseeded. We'd, we'd overseeded with, with a lot of fescue. And we'd had great results. There were still areas that needed more work, but there always is. We've we had fairways um, with no irrigation, uh, yeah. heavy traffic areas around the edges of bunkers. You know where all the where is concentrated. We were struggling to get a little, you know, to get good hundred percent grass cover. But um, this sort of came to a head. Um, when we'd had a, a change, certain people, I have to be careful what I say here. During COVID, when communication with the membership was um, reduced and the effectiveness of communication with the membership was reduced, certain people within the club saw it as an opportunity to um, start to have influence on the committees and on the boards. And um, I ended up with a situation where one particular family had one of them as captain, one of them as lady captain, and one of them as vice captain. And then they'd got their two mates onto the board as well. Now, their idea of how to manage Morecambe Golf Club didn't really gel with Alan and mine and a couple of the other people on the board. So Alan is still acting as your chairman of Greens? Yes, Alan's still yeah. my chairman of Greens. He's my liaison with the members, yeah. obviously, and and the general manager as well. Um, the membership are all on board because all they've seen is positive results and all they've seen is is benefits to everything that we've done. But this certain individual, a fellow called Mike Carney, I can name him. Um, yeah. We've been to court. He was vice captain. His brother was captain and his his wife was lady captain. And then he had some friends who he'd managed to get onto the board as well. And um, I would call him Putin by another name. Um, little fella, you know, so um, say what, you know, think what you want. But um, me, and, me and him did not get on because everything that I was doing didn't quite fit in with his idea of how I should be managing the golf course. And can I can I just ask your your dealings with this gentleman up to this point? Um, had there been any? Had, had he been a dare I say? Had he been a disruptive member in your time, or or, it, or is this this guy? This guy comes to comes across a position, and and all of a sudden he's news to you. Is it is is it is a direct and as quick as that, or did you think? Is he one of those folks you think, I hope he never really gets somewhere because I could see him being in trouble? He'd, he'd always been involved in the club. He'd been, I think he'd been comp secretary for right. quite a few years. Very good golfer, a, a director of the Lancashire Union of Golf Clubs. Um, Interesting. So he's, you know, so he's obviously, he's he's very, very well thought of in, in golfing golf circles. Um He'd never, I'd never had any issues with him up until maybe COVID. Um, but I just, I, I just felt that his, his agenda was not for the benefit of the members of Morecambe Golf Club. Um, he's obviously a very good golfer and some of his friends are good golfers. And as an example, uh, Stuart, he, um, he came up with the idea to um, 
renovate and improve the practice facilities, which is, you know, the practice facilities were okay. Well, they were all right, but they, they were never anywhere I'd concentrated on because my objection, my objective was always to provide the best surfaces for the majority of Morecambe Golf Club members. And you know yourself, probably 10 to 15% of members use the practice facilities. We had a bit of a, a driving range area. We had a short game area, but he announced in the middle of COVID in the in that June 2020 or June um as his as he was involved with the comps side that he wanted to spend thirty thousand pounds building the new practice screen and practice bunkers. That's half my budget. Well, it was half my it was more than half my budget as well. Wow. But, and I was where are they gonna find that from? But obviously they they they, they were gonna find the money. But we had a big meeting out on the golf course, actually on the practice ground. We, Alan was there. All the members of the Greens Committee were there. A few members of the Comps Committee were there. The Treasurer was there. The General Manager were there. And a few other people involved in the industry, like a, we have a, a member who who's actually works for White Moss, Mike Crabtree. And uh, he was there because he was going to give expert opinion on bunkers and sand and construction techniques, you know. Um and the treasurer said to me, Mark, do you want to, you know, are you okay with doing this? And I said, yeah. I said, if you want me to build a practice facility with a USGA spec green with three bunkers round and a chipping area, I will do that to the best of my ability. You know, I've done this before. I, you know, I built, rebuilt 18 greens at, at Preston Golf Club, USGA in-house. I said, so I've done it before. I can do it again. I said, but my own opinion is that the £30,000 would be best spent on the rest of the golf course where the majority of the members will get the benefit, not just the 10 to 15% um, who, who who use practice facilities. And the, the treasurer sort of said, yeah, you've got, you've got a real point, you know, and um, the plans for the practice green were thrown out. Now, I don't know whether, because the idea had come from Mike, as far as I knew, had come from Mike Carney. I don't know whether he's took some sort of right, you know, um, you've had my plan for my proposal for a practice area thrown out. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to make it difficult, you know, for you to operate. And um, I think from then on, there was a, a definite change in atmosphere. And you can feel that. That, that you, it's. I mean, we're not. We don't need to be golf specific here, do you? Anyone who's worked, or if you've ever been in a any form of personal dispute with anyone, you you can look back and you can you can if you can pretty much put your finger on the point when things made that turn, Mark. Yes. 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 I know, and um, it would it it you know it it starts to get a little bit personal and there's always an atmosphere you know even though Alan's Greens chairman and Alan's one hundred percent behind everything that we've been doing you know he's he's promoted it he's the one who's had to go to the board meetings and and with with the Greens committee meeting win minutes and say we're planning to do this this is why we're doing it you know um, so he's obviously he's he, he's standing my corner, and and there were other people on the Greens Committee who are well who are fully supportive. But the influence of of Mike Carney and his associates 
was starting to get stronger on the board and also within the club. How's your? Um, can I just ask, Mike? Sorry. How's your? How's your day today? How are you? As this, you know, we're in the early stages. I, I think this is probably going to stretch to two episodes at least. This discussion, but you are in the very early stages of identify. You've just identified the fact that you believe that this is this is getting personal. This 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 is probably more than likely be, going to become a bit of an issue. How yes. are you? Mentally, how is work for you? Are you starting? Are you noticing a change in your mental health? Are you noticing a change in your when the alarm clock goes off in the morning? Is there a little bit less enthusiasm to come in in the morning? Just before we get further on in this discussion, can you think back and can you can you remember how you were feeling? Is was this? Yeah. Was, yeah. Could you just just explain yeah. that to us a little bit? All of those things, Stuart. You you. And it's and the thing is, it's little little things. It's, it's some things that sometimes you would think, well, that's not really important. You know, that's not. I shouldn't. You know, that shouldn't be bothering me. You yeah. know, um, you get a bit shorter. You get a bit. Uh, yeah, you know, thing, the thing things is, weigh and, on your mind that they should perhaps. And another weigh another on thing you have to try and do, which is really really difficult, is I've always had a fantastic relationship with my staff and my team, and um, it's trying. It's very easy to affect their mood their motivation if you bring too much of that into the the tea room environment or to the greens team environment and you have to so you have to hold back and you have to hold it inside yourself and that is that and is very very hard because it's very, on, a hum, very hard. on a human level it is in my opinion it is much easier it would be much easier for you to unburden some of that on probably open ears and willing ears in the two bloody hell lads. He's doing this. They're doing that. It would be very easy for you to unload some of that stress onto yes. other people. But That's as right. a manager, as a good manager, it's realistically, it's your job not to. That's right. You know, and it it's, it's Years of experience have taught me that is that you know you come you come bouncing into the tea room oh kicking off you know he's just said this who the you know does he think he is and everyone's like whoa you know and and it, they they soak a little bit of that up and they you know and then you you deal with it and you forget it and you move on but they might not you know so um I've, I've always managed to keep that that team environment and we always were a strong team you know we we. We weren't friends, but we do things socially because it was a reward. Yeah. You know, let's let's go out for a night in the curry and, you know, and, and you know, and we'd finish work on a Friday after a particularly difficult month or whatever. And we'd go out for a few beers and have a curry and, you know, and roll back home. And, it, and you know, it's 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 a thank you, isn't it? From, you know, um, and, and they get they got a lot out of that. But um, that balance is, is so difficult. And you're right. It's. It's the swinging the leg out of the bed in the morning, isn't it? Is oh, yeah. and it's the feeling before the greens meetings, and you yeah. you know, you know, like Alan had said, he'd had a, he'd had a particularly difficult board meeting, and um, that's that's all going to come out in the greens meeting, and they don't they don't want you to do this, and they don't want you to do that, and you know, it, it, and while. It's not me stamping my feet saying, I want this, I want that. It's my way or the highway. It's They are employing you to give them advice 
to the best of your ability and using your experience, they ask you how the golf course and the surfaces should be managed. You give them that answer. You provide the evidence. And then it's really difficult if they go, no, we don't want to do that. We want to do that another way, you know. As as um, what the, the breaking point of our relationship really was, um, goes back to August 2021. And um, we had a course walk and there was four, five members of the Greens Committee, including myself. And I actually brought them, my deputy, Graham, along with me. Um, because he'd been there a long time, so he'd he'd seen conditions on the golf course change, and we'd we'd gone through eight weeks of drought at the back end of 2021. I think we had 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 no rain for eight weeks, and we were the annual meadow grass that was on the fairways was struggling. So um, I knew this was going to be an issue. So we're walking the course, and we got to an area on the eighth fairway, which is the fairway narrows, so the wear is concentrated. Yeah. And the annual meadow grass was was struggling. Again, no fairway irrigation. And um, this carney says, says to me, what's that? And he points to this patch of annual meadow grass. And I said, that is annual meadow grass, which is under severe drought stress. And it's in a high traffic area. And it just can't sustain its life. You know, it's, it's going to seed. It's yellow. It's, it's you know. It's on its ass. It's finished. It's it's yeah. run its cycle. <laughs> so I said to Graham, because I, I told Graham to bring the moisture meter with him. So Graham stuck the moisture meter in the ground. Well, he tried to stick it in the ground. And bent the bent the prongs. Yeah. And we got we got a reading of three and a half percent. Right? So I picked the screen up and I showed Mike Carney. I said, look here. And he turned away and said, No, you've done that. Oh, okay. So I said, why am I here? You've asked me a question. I've given you the answer. I've shown you the evidence. And that you, you know, and you're just ignoring me. There's no point in me being here. You know, why ask the question if you, you, know, you don't want the answer that fits your agenda? And what he was saying was that these areas were caused by me spraying, you know, a, a griminicide back in March. Of course, we'd had five, six months recovery after that and, and a load of overseeding. But it was it was just drought. And we'd already pinpointed, you know, the actual water shortages that we had on the course everywhere else. The only green areas of the golf course were, were the greens because that's the only place we had irrigation. So it, it got quite heated, as you can imagine. And um, he was very threatening. Um, physically, verbally, very threatening. Verbally, he, he made a step towards me, and I I felt as though he was about to lay hands on me. He he, of course, denies that, but in court, um, there were witnesses to say he did step forward. Um, I called him a bully and said that that's what he was doing, that he was bullying me, and he was making it impossible for me to do my job. Which um, which which for my. For me, and I have heard parts of this story off offline in recent weeks in discussions with you, Mark. But this is this is fairly new news to me, and it, it sounds to me, uh, I'm not, I don't want to put words into your mouth, but it sounds to me that this gentleman has decided that he, well, 
I think he's decided that he doesn't want you to be in charge anymore. Well, that's the feeling I had, and it was also the feeling that, that Alan, the Greens chairman, had. Um, we knew this This was a period when Mike Carney was vice-captain vice and his brother was captain. So the, the Carney family and their associates, as I said, were making plans um, to run the golf course in the way that they you know they they wanted it to run um and and of course i was at odds with that and so was alan and there were other people you know, is, that, is, is stuart still the general manager at the time no unfor unfortunately um when covid hit stuart was offered a, a position at a bigger club and um stuart um had handed his notice in and he'd he'd, re he'd moved on to another club um and I forgot to elaborate on this, but um, the job was never advertised. The, right, his the, job. Man, his job was never advertised. But um, one day I was asked to go up to the clubhouse and I was introduced to the new general manager, who was a personal friend of Mike Carney's, who was a, a member of the club. This sounds been, like an episode of The Sopranos. And he'd he'd been he'd been a past captain. I think he'd been captain in 2016. And... Um, he, he wasn't a, a golf course manager. He'd never worked in a on a golf course or in a golf course or in a golf course environment. I think he worked for um, a concrete company. Oh, it's the Sopranos. <laughs> yeah. So um, again, this is this is just another tick in the box of the the control that this this group of members were trying to um, exert over the club, and this was another another way of them of them doing that. Um, so you can imagine my position is feeling more and more precarious. So you are, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm not going to recap the whole podcast, um, but what you are in a position now where you have lost allies, if you will. You know, you've explained to us what a wonderful relationship you had with Stuart. Alan, as we go through this podcast, is still in situ, but probably yeah. sounds like he's probably, if we're talking Game of Thrones, he's probably looking over his shoulder for a sword somewhere. We're going between Game of Thrones and Sopranos here. Yes, yes. Um, and you certainly, if the words haven't been said to your face, I can imagine that you are in a position where you are probably questioning whether you still want to do the job, but you're probably also questioning whether they're going to either just try and fire you or come up with some way of moving you out of the door. I can imagine this was a point in your life where going to work had become absolutely tiresome and absolutely no fun at all, Mark. It was, it was hard, uh, Stuart. Um, that, that winter, I, I knew what was coming because it's a, it's a strange, Alan, Alan was up for re-election in the March of 2022. And um, more qualified people than me have serious concerns about how the, the voting took place in the re-election of officers of Morecambe Golf Club. Um, I couldn't possibly comment, but um, in, in March 2022, Alan was failed to be re-elected. After uh, a very successful period. 11, year, 11 years. 11 yes, successful 11 years. 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 Yes, and Alan was failed to be re-elected as a member of the board. So he was he was actually removed um, 
He was removed in March, I think March the 11th or March the 12th. They were supposed to have a, an AGM and have a vote for the new officers. But there'd been some sort of mix-up or mistake. So Alan um, was removed on the 11th or 12th of March. And then for five weeks, there was actually no one who was Greens chairman because they hadn't had the vote for the new officers, even though his Alan had technically not been unelected he just his term had come to an end and he needed to be re-elected what was uh, alan what was alan doing in this fight did uh, did alan put his did did alan take his hat off as greens chairman and step away he well alan and i continued to communicate um he did step away as greens chairman because he knew but he, he kept contact with me and the rest of the greens team but he's still because, a member of the golf course yes and of course we'd see him on the golf course and um he would communicate with us. And you you know what it's like, Stuart. You work on the golf course in the morning and you see a huge number of golfers on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis. More than I, I see a lot of I see a lot of golfers probably more than I see my wife and child. <laughs> I don't we all? Yeah. yeah. And and you you get to know these people to on first name terms. And these are the guys who come up to you and say, Oh, you know, course is looking fantastic, or oh, the oh, the rough's a bit long over there, or oh, yeah, you've got any plans to cut those trees down, or oh, you're not cutting that tree down, are you? You know, the, these are the guys you have those conversations with, the 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 general membership of the club, the the the, the day to day members, the the, the, the Monday the to Friday, yeah, these are the guys who actually keep the club running because they're the majority members, aren't they? Yes, you know? um, they're all. What's going on? What's going on? Why? What, what's what's happening? And I'm like, well, I can't really comment. I'm saying, had you, well, had, you know. had you received? I don't know if you're able to tell us, uh, Mark. Had you received anything from the golf club when Alan was failed to be re-elected? If that's the the, the way we should probably say it, you know, stabbed in the back, if you want. Um, had you did you receive anything from the golf club? advising you the direction did they did 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 they try and gag you in any way or did they ask you not to communicate or were you left in the dark as well completely in the dark no written communication no verbal communication from anybody on the board i continued to talk to the general manager in my in my uh capacity as course manager but there was not any information coming out about what was happening, why there was a delay, when things were going to be sorted. And to be honest, Stuart, that was another thing that sort of undermined me even more. You know, I, I didn't have, there was no one to fall back on. There was no, there was no support network there. Um, or, um, what, what is, again, what is, and this isn't a golf course thing, but it sounds to me, and I, I don't want to put words into your mouth or this situation again, but a very obvious tactic for anything is to isolate people, isn't it? If yes. you retain information that you know, or if you, if you isolate people or if you choose not to share information that you know would benefit someone, it, you you know the the mental effect that that has on an individual. If yes. I say to you, if I say to you, Mark, hey, I've got some really good news for you. I'll text you tomorrow. If you don't hear from me for five days, yeah. you're looking at your phone thinking, good or bad. You're like, I need to know. I want to. It's human nature. And right. to do your job in a professional capacity, you needed to know 
what was going on. Of course, you know it's it's the company you work for. It's you're trying to do your best, aren't you? You know you don't you, 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 and the uncertainty around the situation is is just is good for nobody. It's not good for the team. It's not good for the club. It's not good for the membership. You know, and the thing is, is on the back of COVID, you know, there's there's a lot of miscommunic miscommunication and um, misinformation is something that I knew, I was aware from talking to members on a day to day basis that things were being said in the clubhouse about my, me and my position, you know, and it's the undermining, you know, of your position, you know, the, the it's not nice, you know, no. you know, and you, you, you hear stuff and um, there seemed to be a hardening of attitudes within the management of the club. And, and I was, I was the outsider. Alan had obviously been moved aside, even though he was awaiting to find out whether he could be re-elected. There was that five weeks. Um, did Alan want? Did was Alan? I don't want to say was Alan up for the fight, but was Alan up for re-election? Would he have taken it on had yeah. it been offered? His wife asked him not to because right. she knew she knew how stressful it had been to him. Is Alan? I, I don't. I don't want to get to know Alan in great detail. But is is Alan retired at this point? Is Alan? He's retired. Yes, he's yeah, retired. So. He's um he's a very successful uh, water engineer. Um, okay. And um, clever guy, but would never ever try and tell me how to do my job. He would ask me the questions. He would he would expect that the right answer. But so supportive in in everything that we ever did. Um, he um. He what he was up for the fight because he he was he had the best interests of Morecambe Golf Club and its members at heart, you know, and that's that's why he'd been there for eleven years. I'll be honest, if I was him, I wouldn't have done it. I'd have run a mile, you know. Yeah, I've got, I've got, no. um, yeah, yeah. I've been, I've been as as I'm sure we all have, and guys listening to this podcast, I've worked at places where I, you know, I've realistically this is my first stint as a head greenkeeper, and I, I have been lower down the ranks in majority of my places, but you still hear the politics and you still yeah. communicate with the membership. And I have worked at golf clubs where captains, vice captains, committee people cannot wait to get off. Yes. Yeah, they take they they get to they you see them, they get they they drive in as captain and six months into the tenure they are beaten individuals. And the gray. last three yeah, the last, gray, yeah. the last three months that they don't want, they don't want it anymore. Like um, the England football manager, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, do you know what, yeah. Mark? I'm I'm looking at the time, and I know we've got so much we can still talk about, but I think where, where we're at now, and what we've discussed over the last 45 minutes, because I think there's at least 45 minutes left of this story and how this played out, and eventually became a legal matter that was dealt with in a court of law. Yes, uh, and I don't think I don't want to rush it in the next ten minutes to make this an, an hour long episode. I don't think we'll do it justice. I think if you if if you'd allow me and and if we spend five minutes just setting the scene again, and then we'll spend a couple of minutes setting it for the next episode. But what we've learned so far is you've been a greenkeeper, head greenkeeper, course manager for the majority of your career. You're a man who has promoted sustainable golf course practices. You know, you've talked about your compost teas. You've talked about 
how you always have the best interest. And I think, and I don't think I've ever met a course manager, or maybe one who hasn't had the best interests of a golf course at heart. And for the majority of your career at Manchester Golf Club and now at Morecambe, you have had a wonderful relationship with the majority of people you've worked for. And we're now building up to the point, and we've probably spent the last 25 minutes discussing how coming out of COVID, there is obvious, and I'll say it, there is obviously an agenda set by certain members of Morecambe Golf Club to remove you from your position. Um, you've told me and explained to me how you how it became hard, your your work became harder. And I I personally, I, I'm not going to put this out as a video. Um, I'm looking at you and you look very happy and healthy. I'm pretty sure you're probably holding a little bit back when I asked you how much of a struggle it was. And I think that's human nature to yes. suggest that it maybe we, maybe. But um, Mark, when we get together again next week, hopefully, where is this... Where is this story? I've suggested it ended up in court. Where is this story going? To, what direction are we going to go in next? Well, we're going to see the removal of Alan as off, off the board and the placement of one of Carney's friends as the new Greens chairman. And then um, me just being put in in a position where my job just became completely untenable and and the they created the conditions um where it was impossible for me to do my job to the best of my ability and to use my experience and knowledge and um i resigned and then following the resignation the the way that it was dealt with by the club made me determined then to look into it and go to yeah, get some sort of some sort of recompense or justice in court. And um I don't I don't want to give too much away, but it's uh yeah, that was a, a, a completely other um nine nine no no nine months. Eleven eleven, twelve, thirteen months actually, um, from when I left to the to the day when I actually defended myself in court in Manchester. Wow. Um, and and how that went. Mark, it's been a, a thoroughly wonderful first episode. I'm not going to put a title on this podcast. This has just been Mark Jones talking to us about his experiences in the golf course management and his experience at Morecambe Golf Club. That will be the title of, of this. I won't put a headline on it. Um, guys, anyone listening to this who is working in turf, if you are struggling, if you're experiencing certain things like this, don't reach out to me. But please listen to what Mark has said and definitely tune in for the next episode where we will learn more. But this is not how you're allowed to be treated at work. And we will learn in the next episode how Mark successfully proved that he was unfairly treated and put in a position where he was made to resign. And people have been held accountable, Mark, haven't they? Yes. I, I want to say... I I didn't win the case. Proving constructive dismissal is, in, is incredibly difficult, which the judge reminded me of and spoke to me. Um, I had to prove three instances. Um, I had to prove that they created the conditions that I couldn't do my job, 
that they verbally abused me and that they undermined me. And I failed to prove that they undermined me. So at the end of the day, um, I didn't win the case. But the judge was incredibly damning of the behavior of the individuals involved. Um, well, you know, and we can talk about that in the next episode. In, in the next episode, we will hear that more in, in greater detail. Mark, um, thank you. You've been a wonderful guest. This is Henry Weston's Old Mate, the podcast. This is Turf Talk. Uh, we will be back. It might not be next week. It might be later this week we record it. But I, we will get these episodes will come out close to each other. I won't leave people. I won't isolate people as we've discussed. Mark Jones, thank you very much for being a guest on Henry Weston's Old Mate, the podcast. Thanks, Stuart.